What do you know about being 13? It was hard. And I did it by myself. I did it by myself. I know that my mother was there, but I did it by myself. And I don't want that for her. This is Is My Child a Monster, a parenting therapy podcast where you get to listen in as real parents and caregivers share their trials and tribulations in therapy sessions recorded live. I'm your host, Leslie Cohen-Ruberry, and I'm a parent and a therapist with 38 years of experience helping families navigate this question. And no, your child is not a monster. The first family on this season, David and Emily, had a six-year-old who said, I don't know, anytime he was asked how he felt. And I hate to tell you, it isn't only six-year-olds who do that. Today, in Salima's second session, we're focusing on her relationship with her 13-year-old daughter, Alani, who has a different way of saying, I don't know. Alani shrugs her shoulders in response to many things, which is deeply frustrating to her mother. Not only that, but Alani's getting into a bit of trouble. She's fighting with her friends and talking back to authority figures. This kind of thing is common and happens at any age. When your child is shrugging their shoulders and not allowing you to help them, this is when your patience gets tested and is doubly important. So it's essential to be skillful in how you approach them so as not to make the problems worse. And just a note, Salima is a busy mom of three and sometimes childcare falls through at the last minute. So you may hear her children in the background today. Okay, as a reminder, all the names and identifying information have been changed. And this show is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for therapeutic intervention. So let's begin. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm not as tired as usual. It's my day off. It's your day off. That certainly gives us a little more energy. Actually, last time we spoke, you hadn't started your new job. So congratulations at being at a new job. But that is tiring, isn't it? It is. And thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, and you're, you've got another full-time job. Mm-hmm. You've got your parenting full-time job. So would you start off by sharing what you took away from the first session? Did anything really stick with you that you want to, you know, give me any feedback on what worked, what didn't work? The understanding of the ring of fire really made a difference for me. And so I have worked really hard not to meet her where she is because it's like, come on, it doesn't make sense. You can't burn up your arm trying to get your baby. You got to put that fire out. So when she gets upset, I give her a minute. I veer away from being angry myself and I might start laughing and it throws her off. And it's like, I'm not laughing at you. Mommy just doesn't want to be mad. So mommy's choosing not to be mad. And then we've been talking about like the zones of regulation. And so I'm like, you know, mommy's in the yellow. I need you to just go away. Just go over there. You don't have to leave the room. Just go over there and give me a minute. And so I'm seeing her, you know, when she's interacting with her brother, she'll go, Terrell, you're making me so mad. I'm in the yellow. And I'm like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and I'll look at him and go, she's in the yellow. Back away. Back away. Yes. And so I'm hoping that he'll start picking up on it. It'll be a household thing. 
Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful that you're modeling it. You're not asking her to calm down, which, of course, you want. But you're saying, I'm going to regulate myself. I'm choosing to regulate myself. Well, we also talked about the words you use. And you're already shifting those words from I'm tired of fighting you or any of that language into I'm choosing to calm myself down. And it sounds like it's so much fun when you see her using the same language. Yeah, it definitely is an encouraging moment and it makes me happy. I also do it at work now. So I narrate what I'm doing and I announce to the kids when I'm making mistakes so that I can like, it's okay. You see me, I'm making a mistake. I'll ask them like, how often do you see an adult making a mistake? I'm telling you I made a mistake. It's working for me full circle. Oh, that's beautiful. And one thing I noticed in our last session, which I think is very true in terms of learning styles, is when I gave you a metaphor that had a visual to it, it worked for you and you're nodding your head. Like that ring of fire was not just words. It was a visual for you, was it? Am I correct about that? Right. It gave me a picture that I could see and, you know, relate to. And metaphors can do that for us. It takes us out of a cognitive point of view of a literal, this is what the words mean, to more of a feeling and an understanding of what the words mean. So that's cool. That worked for you. Okay. Anything else? Any other things you tried that maybe didn't work? Trying to talk to her. Like trying to talk to her in the moment. That's not a thing. She doesn't do it. It doesn't work. Other people try it. It doesn't work. So it's like... You just have to see where she is, engage it from there. Don't try to get her where you want her. You actually are describing something that will work for you, which is don't talk to her when she's in that place. Words don't work for her in that moment. Right. Right? Okay, excellent. Learning what doesn't work is almost just as important as learning what does work. True, yeah. It makes a very big difference. Absolutely. Okay, beautiful. So it's been several weeks since our last session. What are you bringing to today's session? Today, I would like to switch over to Alani. Okay. So tell me about Alani. So Alani got herself into some trouble at school where she had hit another student and that parent called the police. (gasps) And so we were already dealing with, um, you know, some behaviors and some bad choices, but that kind of was an eye-opening experience for her where I had to explain, like, listen, you're not a little kid anymore. The things that you do matter. And mommy cannot always save you. Mommy cannot always Mm -hmm. save you. I can sit there and I can advocate for you, but mommy doesn't make the rules when it comes to this. And so, Mm. you know, she's becoming more mindful of her decisions, but it's hard And I know emotionally she doesn't really speak out. Like if I even try to ask her how she's feeling, she does the famous shoulder shrug and it grinds my gears so bad. That gesture, I do not like. I don't like that body gesture from anybody. Let's start with that last point, but let's go backwards. First, um, again, her age, I know she's a teenager. How old is she? She's 13. She's 13. Okay. And in like seventh grade? Just about, yeah. Okay. So... The last thing you just said is that shoulder shrug really gets you. Do you know why that shoulder shrug gets you? It's not an answer. It's the equivalent of I don't know. To me, it's you are shutting down. You don't want to answer me. And it leaves me in limbo. I can't do anything with a shoulder shrug. 
that indifference can feel very helpless as a parent where you don't know what to work with when she gives you that shrug. You said she doesn't want to give me an answer. What if she's not capable? That has been my recent thought. In the beginning, it would just make me angry. Like it would be an immediate rage of why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you giving me an answer? Why aren't you letting me help you? And I was like, well, we've been going through this for years Uh and there's no way that you could just be this person. So maybe you don't like it's not like it's not processing for you. You don't know why. And then is there a deeper issue? Which she may not may or may not understand. Right. Yeah. I love that you're bringing a new perspective to what has been going on, one, repeatedly. So one thing I say to parents, because parents get really confused with when is it a problem, when is it not a problem? Well, when I say it's historic and it's been going on, it's consistent, well, that is a part of who your child is. It's not out of the blue. It's got history to it. So let's understand it as this is who she is. This is probably who she will be. And we want to understand it for both deeper issues to help her live with that part of herself, which is she seems to shut down. I'm going to call that protective, but we don't know why she's trying to be protective of herself, but she's shutting down. She's not speaking. And we want to understand why is she not speaking? What is the I don't know about? Is it that she doesn't know how to ask for help? Is it that she's afraid to ask for help? Thinking back to what you said before about verbiage. So when you said, you know, that's her way of protecting herself. For me, I use the word defensive. Like that's her way of defending herself because, Uh you know, I think maybe she doesn't feel safe or, you know, she does feel the tension in the moment. And she she's like, if I don't answer, you don't know what to do. Like you can't react. So I think she's trying to find control in that moment. Okay, control and safety. Yeah. You know, to be very honest, I have a husband that thinks before he speaks the opposite of what I do. And so he needs time when I ask him something. And sometimes it used to be historic that I would talk to him, keep talking at him and keep saying, why aren't you talking to me? And it was like, I just had to stop, give him a moment. So in this case, it may be what you're doing. And remember, in our last session, we talked about you feel like sometimes you're at combat with your children or you're fighting your children. And maybe she picks up on that tension because you use the language of she's being defensive. So we want to get her into a state where she feels safe and willing to be vulnerable. We want to teach her about the power of vulnerability because someone who doesn't want to speak or someone who keeps it in Those kids, those adults tend to be vulnerable. Look at that face. Tell me what you're thinking. You're you're describing me. Oh. (laughs) You're describing me and I I get it. I see where it's coming from. This is a learned behavior. Learned or genetic if it's coming from you too. Right, right. Right. Wow. Okay. It's like she needs to learn to be vulnerable. So does her mother. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And your vulnerability, it's here, it's present. Do you know it's nothing more than you've already said? Do you know in what ways you could practice being vulnerable? No. Okay, so I'd like to start there because I think you're willing. I love the fact that you're here, you're growing. The way you show vulnerability is in those moments when your children 
are not giving you what you hope for, what you want, and what's even good for them. So if Alani could share and speak, that would be great for her. But when she's not speaking, I believe that's when you feel vulnerable because you don't know what to do to get her to talk. Recently, I've noticed that I feel like I'm rushing. I'm always rushing. I'm always trying to get something done. I'm trying to complete something. So if I'm trying to figure out what's wrong, I'm trying to solve a problem. And if you're not letting me solve the problem, you're holding me up and I'm trying to keep moving. So that that's 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 what that is. Yeah. OK, so your vulnerability in that example, perfect, is not getting something done. Yes. Because as a single mother, you are working very hard to raise three children, work, take care of a household. There's a lot you have to get done. You need that skill to go, 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 go. But maybe your children don't need that skill. I will agree 100%. Even um, Renee will be like, stop rushing me. I don't like to be rushed. And I'm like, well, I don't like to be late. So where do we meet in the middle? Right. That's a beautiful question. So that's one area of vulnerability you could think about that yes it makes sense that you are on an agenda you have a schedule and you want to get through the problems if you have a problem you want to fix it i do believe that not all of our problems with our children get to be fixed oftentimes we have to accept the moment accept the vulnerability of the moment accept the rawness the unknown the discomfort of the moment so what I'm hearing is interactions with her in these moments are going to be where I need to narrate like I do with Renee and just explain like, OK, I'm trying to help you. You're saying you don't know. I'm just going to back off. I'm going to give you some space. But just know, just know this this is killing mommy, but sh- I'm going to walk away. Do you want to use that language? This is killing mommy. Mm, OK, if we're trying to change things, maybe not. Right. It would lighten the mood for her because that is how we interact. So I do okay. see, I do see the value in changing the verbiage, but I don't think it would be too much of a negative where she would impact it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something negative to my mom. But just to be safe, yeah, I would. I see, I see the point of changing that. And if you want to bring a little humor, I see nothing wrong with it. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just, like, I'm thinking of like um, swimming through the mud here. I'm just in a pool of mud, swimming through the mud. Give me a moment. <laughs> yeah, that could work. Right? Like, you can help her viscerally understand that you are, look what I'm dealing with, and make it a visual as well for both of you. And then just give me a minute. I'm, I'm getting through that mud. I got to clean myself up. I got to figure out what to do here. I like that. Good. Beautiful. In the process, when you say you're taking care of yourself, it automatically assumes in a good way that she's got to go take care of herself because she's not responsible for you. You're taking care of yourself. So you're leaving her space and you're giving her the permission to now go work on yourself because I'm going to go work on myself. Yeah. It's just a little frustrating when you come back to the table and I was like, what did you do? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have to give our kids time, about 10, 15 years. But yes. All right. Let's go back to the example. You said she's making some choices that are getting her in trouble, that are having consequences. This one had big consequences. In terms of fixing problems, could I point out um, that when she came home and you said, hey, mommy's not always going to be able to be there for you. There are consequences to your behavior. That's all great. And you can add just a little space before you get into problem solving where you just say, wow, 
The police showed up, the police were called, and I can imagine that at 13 years old, that's pretty scary. Okay. It's so that, so what I'm offering is, can we start with validation before we get to problem solving? Yeah, that would be something that has to be practiced. Like, I would need examples of things like that, because although I know validation is needed, I don't necessarily know what it should look like or how to fit it into certain situations. So, yeah. Okay. One way, and this may not be what works for you, so let's just see if it works for you, is if you can put yourself in her shoes. I'm 13 years old. The police got called. How do I feel in that moment? So you can actually, it's equanimity of trying to figure out, validate from a place of you're not her mother, you're not better than, you're not one-upping her. You are simply trying to acknowledge and validate what would it be like to be in those shoes okay does that help a little bit because for the situation like i received a phone call yes the school didn't notify me and so i was the one telling her that it happened like in her mind it was over with it happened and then the weekend went by and then it was monday and i'm like whoa oh so you know she thought it had already passed so i had to rebring it to her like okay this is what happened this is the phone call i got this is what they want to do and she was she was really upset about it. And I guess I could have, you know, I won't say that I validated her, but I did ask her, like, you know, well, how do you feel? Like, now that you have all this information, how do you feel about this? Right. Yeah. And that's when she shrugged her shoulders? Yeah. Yeah. So validation gives her a moment. She doesn't have to answer anything. It's, you know, even how do you feel can feel a little intrusive or interrogating. It can feel a little harsh when you see it. So again, I'm going to stick with what's already working. Narrate. Wow, I noticed that you look a little shaky now. You just shrugged your shoulders. I don't know if you know what's going on now. That must be, you might be overwhelmed with what's going on inside your body. Or inside your head. Now that you just heard that, I bet that's a bit overwhelming for you. So you can guess and you can say, did I get that? And I want to back up for a second because when you ask questions of how or why, like what did you do? How did you do it? Why did you do it? All those kinds of questions. It is a little bit like putting a flashlight in someone's eyes. Okay. Instead of asking questions, I like to make statements and the kind that I'm talking about, which is to observe what's going on. I can see a shift in your whole body. You look very surprised. You look a little unsettled. What's going on? So give her something to work with because then she can either confirm or deny, no, I'm not shaky. I'm angry. Or, you know, it's like all of a sudden she has something to work with as opposed to, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Yeah, it makes sense to me, but I feel like for her, she would just be silent like she wouldn't give me anything and that's what starts to get me going because it's like i'm talking to you i'm trying to help you why are you silent why are you shrugging your shoulders i can't do anything with this okay let's start with that then hey you're silent you shrugged your shoulders i'm gonna sit here with you in silence to give you a moment this would be where I narrate how how much this is going to take from me to do. Yes. But I'll do it for you. Okay. <laughs> That's it. This is hard for me to sit in silence and wait. And I want to make this a safe space so that, and that's often lovely to state. I want to make this a safe space so that when the words come to your mind, when the feelings show up in your body, that you might be able to verbalize that. I'm here. I'll sit in silence with you. Okay. 
And I would pull back on your expectation that you're going to get this 13-year-old to shift and all of a sudden become a talker, talker, talker. So sometimes in parenting, we have to do what we know is going to work, but be able to hold our horses and really sit back and wait maybe years before we see the results of our work. I think I might need a shift in what the small signs are that I'm getting what I'm looking for, because it's not that I'm looking for her to become a talkative person. I'm looking for her to trust me. Okay, let's role play. Okay, you're going to be, <laughs> is that okay with you? Or you? Can you be Alani? We can try. Okay, so Alani, I got a phone call, quite surprising, quite upsetting. I got a phone call that the mother of the child that you hit called the police, and now the police are involved. What do you mean? I didn't even really hit her. Okay, I'm telling you what just happened, and I'm telling you that it's now an issue, and I want to know, you know, how you feeling and what are we going to do about that? Shrug shoulders. Okay, that was practice number one. Okay, you know how you felt just now when I said that to you. Okay. All right, version two. Alani, I just got a phone call that I... I was not very comfortable with, and I don't think you will be very comfortable with. Well, what happened in the phone call? I got a call that the parent of the child you hit called the police, and the police are involved now. But I didn't even hit her that hard, and I said I was sorry. I don't know that they heard your story yet. But that's what happened. I said sorry. That sounds good to me, and I don't know what their version is, but that's not their version. So what do I do? Maybe we just talk about it and we'll figure it out. I don't know what we're going to do. Here's what I know. Okay, let's stop that one. Because you're nodding your head. Was there a difference in the second version? There was. It, it wasn't as accusatory. Yep. I, I felt like, okay, you're giving me information and I, I can do something with the information you're giving me. And so now you've given me information and I can see that I don't know what to do with it. And so I'm asking you... Well, what are we going to do? Because I don't know what to do. So you actually got her to do what you want, which is to ask for help. That was like magic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And this is new for me because I relate more to version one as a parent. Mm -hmm. So obviously what works through years and years of experience that you recognize that she's she doesn't really give information. She doesn't necessarily right now feel safe to give that information. That's an assumption when either she doesn't feel safe or she actually doesn't know how to find the words. And did you notice my very first trick was I got a phone call. I didn't tell her who it was from. Yeah. All right. I immediately got her asking me questions. Yeah. Because I'm like, um. So who called you? Like, you're going to tell me the rest of this? You're going to leave me on the cliff? What's going on? Right. So I'm giving her a chance. So it's really say less, give her space. I can see this, this space and the difference in the two approaches. Beautiful. One way that I do this viscerally when I have my teen and parent groups is I actually put up dominoes and I line up dominoes. And when they're really close, if I'd say one thing, all the dominoes fall. 
And mm-hmm. and that's where it's like, ugh, it's a mess. I say one thing, then my child says something, and we're at the end, we're just all on the ground. It's a mess. But if I space the dominoes out, they all don't knock down. That is true. Right? So you're giving space between your comment, her comment. Yeah. I can see that. That makes sense. Okay. Beautiful. So we know that she's a child that keeps things in. Did you resolve that issue? Oh, she got very lucky. The um, person in charge of taking on the case looked at everything and basically was like, these two girls are underage. We're not really going to pursue this. And so um, I did, however, ask the officer to speak with her. And so I brought her in so that he could explain to her, like, you know, you're not you're not a kid anymore. You're getting older and you have to be conscious of the decisions that you make because they can get you in trouble. They can get your mom in trouble. They can get, you know, it can there can be repercussions for your entire family. And so she understood what he was saying. I also had a pep talk with her before we went in and was like, you know, don't say anything. Just listen. You will be okay. And so she did it. And it was kind of funny because like when he asked her a question, she looked at me and I was like, I said, don't say anything. And so she would nod her head and I was like, good. Okay. And so when we came out, she was her regular perky self. And I was like, I really hope that she got the message and she doesn't just let this fly out of her ear. And I, that's where parents need to have a little faith. Like we don't need to pound it into her anymore. You did it. It's done. You don't have to revisit it. I sometimes revisit it just if you feel like she's a little off. If you think it's on the back of her mind, if you know that she's not someone who lets go of things or recovers, then I might go back to it and help her recover. But other than that, it's really okay to let it go. Yeah. So after that situation, we haven't had any more calls about hands-on situations. Um, We got maybe a call or two about language and disrespect in the classroom, but I associate that with the age and also her surroundings. Mm -hmm. But, um, from conversations with her and I um, I put her in therapy just in case, you know, she had anything going on that she didn't want to talk to me about. She's set um, goals for herself and I can see her working towards them. She doesn't know that I know them, oh. but I see her working towards them. So I just leave her alone. I'm like, okay. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. So was therapy um, a recent addition? Um, she's been going for maybe a year and I hadn't had any feedback. So I was ready to like change and pull her out. But then I got those goals and was like, oh, I see it. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. That sounds great. And that also addresses the part you said before that maybe she's not talking because something underlying is going on and you're giving her that opportunity. I do love to check in with kids, not just with the therapist, is, um, you know, how is this working for you? Not just do you like your therapist? That's a good question. Do you get along? Is it a good fit? I like to speak in the language of is it a good fit? But also what two or three things do you feel like you're getting out of your therapy? Because we need to teach children how to be good consumers of therapy. Like, do you feel like you're able to speak? Does it feel like a safe environment? Are you learning skills? Are you setting goals? That's really all good stuff. That makes sense. And definitely with me trying to um, explain to her, like, just because you're a kid doesn't mean you're not a person. That'll definitely go alongside with that because she wouldn't be able to, you know, express it or tell someone how she feels or what she's getting from it if it's not asked. So I definitely will 
be doing that. But I kind of also feel like she's going to hit me with that shoulder shrug. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to the shoulder shrug because it's not new, you said. This has been going on her whole life. Do you have other examples where that happens? It can be when she's tired and she just doesn't want to be bothered. She'll hit me with the shoulder shrug because she knows that it's going to put me at a thousand and I'm going to be like, just go. It can be a situation where she really just doesn't know. There's different volumes to the shoulder shrug. Sometimes the shoulders go up really high. Sometimes they go up and they stay at her ears. Sometimes it's a very quick up and down. Like you gotta, you gotta learn the shrugs. Excellent. So yeah. I would like the two of you to sit down, maybe get out paper and pencil and write down different shrugs mean different things. She would think that's funny. And she, I don't know if she would do it, but I know she would laugh. <laughs> and even if that's as far as you get, that's great because you know, it's the shrug of my I'm just give in. I don't want to I don't want to go up to my room and get whatever you asked me to get or I don't you know. So the shrugs can mean different things and you're giving her insight. Again, my job description for a parent is not necessarily to control them and get them to do what you want, which is obedience, but rather to make them responsible means they by the time they leave the house, they understand who they are. She's going to understand her five different shoulder shrugs. And when she gets in relationships with friends and partners and things like that, she'll say, by the way, I have five shoulder shrugs that mean different things. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Right. That sounds perfect. That's all I want. I want them to leave and be able to navigate the world and know who they are. Like, I don't want anyone to tell them what they're doing, what it means. Like, no, you know you and you control you. That's it. Okay, then we are on the same page because that's my goal here. And when you narrate it and you sit down and you make it light and say, okay, so you have five shrugs. I'm getting to know them. You get to know them. Her first date will be, let me tell you about my five shrugs. I love it. It's great. Okay, so she does have different shrugs. She has the shrug to get out of something, to so you just give in. Um, she has the shrug to say, I don't know what's going on, when she really can't figure it out. She might have a shrug of being overwhelmed. Yes. Yes, that one, it's not so much the shrug, but the face and the body language that goes with the shrug. So it's like her body is kind of caved in and slumped, and her face is very unhappy, and she's looking off to the side. Oh, my goodness. I wish she was in this room with us, right? You're giving her a lot of good information. You're like, and you know what I feel? If I was Alani and you said that to me, I might be irritated, but really what I feel is, Mom, you know me better than I know myself. How'd you know that about me, Mom? You know me, Mom. Wow. And what a gift of connection that is. So I'm going to make a statement that's very, very deep. So recently she does a lot of, oh, I love yous randomly. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, why does she keep doing that? Like, why do you keep telling me that? Mm -hmm. And now that you say it that way, I kind of feel like she does understand that I know her. Yes. And so it's like I'm explaining her body language to her. Yes. And I'm doing it in a negative way. Oh, but she still picks up on it and she's like, my mom knows me. So she can get around my um my negativity and I'm happy that she can do that. And she's not going to pick that up from me. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm working hard with this one. <laughs> yes. And I'm giving you a moment to feel those feelings because that's, that oh, is man. very deep. You said it. That's deep. Is it in your chest? Is it in your belly? It's deep down, right? Yeah. It's like it's getting hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But yeah, 
Well, she's receptive. Beautiful. She's receptive. You're aware. And keep doing this this connection. We're always going somewhere. We're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to give our kids meals. We're trying to take care of them. We're trying to fix their problems. And these moments of connection are extremely powerful. They are a source of safety and well-being and knowledge so that she knows you know her better than anyone. Yeah. With just the three of them, there's no one else to take them or to plan the things. And like, she really takes initiative with that. She's like, mom, take me to this store, but go over there. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, oh wait, give me some money. And I'm like, how much? <laughs> and then she'll get all the stuff and she'll take her brother and sister upstairs and they'll start putting stuff together. And then she has like this whole thing. And it's like the small details of what she did. So like um, the last year she went to the dollar store, she got flowers, she hot glued them to a jar. She did like a science project in the jar with glitter and water. And she knows that I like science and she knows that I love those jars. She knows that I hate flowers. I hate flowers because they die. And so she used fake flowers. And I was like, this little girl is amazing. Like she is the best thing ever, but I don't say it. I just think like she is the best thing ever. And then I have to be mindful of my reaction when she gives it to me. I have to make sure that it looks like I care and that it sounds like I care. And sometimes I don't have the energy, but it's like, nope, she deserves it. She has to get it. She has to because she went above and beyond. Oh, and that was before she was 13. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, that's so wonderful. Now, let's go to you just brought up a very important issue. What do you know about being 13? It was hard. And I did it by myself. Mm. I did it by myself. I know that my mother was there, but I did it by myself. Mm. And I don't want that for her. Being 13 is not easy. There are hormones. There's a lot going on in the environment around you. It's really, really a tough time. So we want to remember that. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you went through it alone and you're a beautiful person. So we can get through hard times, but I don't wish that on anyone. So you're aware of that. Bring that information with you on both sides. One is it's going to be tough. Even if you're there for her, still being a 13-year-old can be tough. Okay. And and then the other part, and it sounds like she's she's figuring it out. Where can where can I be powerful and curse? And where can I, you know, use my power? And if I want to hit, and that, what's okay and what's not okay? How do I show this kind of individuality and and power? So while she's being this thirteen year old self, and you remember, you want to be there for her because that is not what you experienced. I would say validation is going to be really key for you. I have a um, sheet, a handout on six different ways of validating. Isn't that cool? There are six different ways of validating. I'm sure people have invented more, but this list comes from dialectic behavior therapy. We teach the six levels of validation. Um, what you're doing right now is the first level of validation. Do you know what you're doing right now in this conversation? No. What am I doing? You just nodded your head while I was explaining that to you. You were validating oh. me by saying, oh, I would like that. That sounds good. I like that idea. You know, you were validating me. And when someone and I'm looking at you and I see that you're nodding your head, I feel validated. So the end, you're doing two things. You were nodding your head and you're looking at me. Okay. So eye contact, listening and little mm-hmm or little nods. That's the first level of validation. Show that you're listening. It's like... 
the sociology class is coming back. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm going to send this to you so you can practice the six different levels. The second one is reflecting back or mirroring. Okay. You start off with things like, so it sounds like you think that you didn't hit this person. You just repeat what she said to you. It's like a parrot. You don't have to get fancy. You just parrot right back what you heard. Okay. So I feel like these are things that I do. I just don't do it in the right context. So if I switch it up a little bit, it should be more receptive. Beautiful. And it actually may be more effective because using skills at different times is what makes them more effective or not effective. So if she's screaming at you, it may not be effective to look at her and nod your head. She might think you're, a lot of parents say, I tried validating and my, my child was yelling at me. Validation is in the eye of the beholder. So if you're trying to validate her and you're using words, but she wants space or quiet, her form of validation is, why don't you sit there and just be with me, mom? I don't need you to talk to me. So we're going to fine tune that where you're going to try something. You're going to see if it works. And if not, you're going to do what you just said, tweak it a little bit by changing the timing of it. Or yes, that was a good point that you brought up is, you know, these skills you might name them. You might put this list on the refrigerator. First, you have to learn it, and then you can teach it. Yeah. I was like, that level one validation statement sounds more like me. I'm definitely the one to do that because I know she'll hear it, and then she'll do it, and then people will be more interested in her because she did it that way. She don't know. She don't know what she's being built for. Like, she don't understand. <laughs> right. And it sounds like she's got a lot of, you know, similarities that you have. And you love this stuff, it seems like. Mm -hmm. You're soaking it up like a sponge. Like I refer to um, Renee as a mirror. This is a different mirror. I feel like Renee is the long mirror that you use to get dressed. And then Alani is the bathroom mirror oh. that you use to do your makeup. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know about that other one though. <laughs> I don't I don't know which I don't know which mirror he is yet. Well, what if we save that for next session? How does that sound? Most definitely. So let's wrap up there. Do you have any questions about what we talked about? Um, no, I don't have any questions. I'm excited to get those six methods of validation. And I'm also excited because in my head, I've already started thinking how I'm going to convert those into a child-friendly version. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Well, I love that the things that you did from the first session that you held on to, this is just an addition to all those things. So keep going back to what's working and keep discovering. Keep trying this stuff out. It's You're doing a great job. I love it. This is the fun part of parenting for me. Yes. Most definitely. Yes, yes. When we turn the challenges into opportunities. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. I enjoyed this. In therapy, we often send people home with homework. If you're interested in the worksheet I sent Salima home with, check out the show notes. Therapy homework is a sign of commitment. It means both you and the therapist are committed to making real behavioral changes, not just talking about them. 
In order to learn skills, you have to practice what you learn in a variety of settings. Many of my clients, both on the podcast and in my therapy practice, go home with homework. And I'm so grateful Salima has chosen to share that part of her journey with us. Learning is vulnerable. You're doing something different without knowing if you'll succeed. She's making a shift in these sessions from attempting to control her children's behavior to helping them understand themselves better. What a gift. Join us next week, where Salima talks about her five-year-old son, Terrell, who appears to be a fun-loving kid, but surprises everybody with mean words and outbursts of anger. Subscribe to Is My Child a Monster wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Join the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links to everything in the show notes and at ismychildamonster.com. The Is My Child a Monster team is Alita Cooper, AJ Moultre, Camila Salazar, and me. Special thanks to Eric Ruberry and Mia Warren. Our theme music is by L. Ray Music. I'm Leslie Cohen Ruberry. Thanks so much for listening. And this week, give your child the gift of connection. 